Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Rootless Living Podcast in episode number 24. My name is Damien Ross, and besides being the host of this podcast, I'm also the publisher of a digital nomad slash full-time RVer magazine called Rootless Living. On this episode, I chat with Jonty and Denise, the duo behind Go Curly or Go Home, and today we talk about what it's like to get rid of everything, go full-time for about a year, then back to a sticks and bricks, only to then realize you truly belong back on the road. Before I get ahead of myself, let's get into the show. All right, with that, I want to welcome Jonty and Denise to the show. How are you guys? Super. How are you? This is Denise. I'm doing really good. Yeah, you know, what's going to be interesting is calling out who's who. Um, but I think it's it, it's okay if people, if they just think you have two personalities and you have different voices too. So don't stress about it too much. But where are you guys right now? Where are you guys hanging out? Well, this is Jonty, and we are hanging out in Fredericksburg, Texas. Uh, we are originally from Texas, and we find ourselves making our way back to a few places that we always love when we're in RV, and this is one of them. I had a chance to be in Fredericksburg once, and I think I got there kind of late to the game because everyone had been there before and just told me they couldn't believe how much the local winery kind of business was blowing up and just becoming such a huge i mean it's becoming like a winery it's like a like a real deal now in that area it is a re- it is a real deal um you can go down uh one of the highways 290 that goes through town and it's winery after winery you can just basically throw a stone and and put grape grapevines up um we were in an rv park that was nestled between two wineries so lucky us <laughs> <laughs> there you go well what i find really interesting about your story is that obviously um, back in 2009, you guys basically went nomad for about a year. And I want to talk about that quickly. Was it in an RV? Or how were you guys doing that when you kind of took this year to be rootless, if I can so boldly use that term? What did that look like in 2009? Sure. Thanks for asking. So we were renting properties in Houston, Texas, which is just a, you know, a really large city. We both had office jobs at the time. And we were looking to try to find out what was going to be our next move in life and the next adventure. And we were trying to think out of the box really crazily because we just weren't ready to buy or do something that was felt like putting down too much roots. We didn't want that commitment yet. I had a crazy idea. And we ended up buying an RV and parking it in a kind of a long-term RV park in Houston for a year. Worked from our jobs. We would take it out on the weekends every now and then. And it kind of really, and we went timid. We went to a, an older class A to see if we would like it and just really started downsizing. It took us six months really to get rid of, um, of all of our stuff. And then when we realized how much we enjoyed it in a simpler life, then we started looking for land to, to park our RV on. And we found that immensely difficult. And at the time being, we said, well, we happened to find a house that had some a land that happened to have a house on it. And we pulled up in the driveway and moved into the house for a few years. And that was great fun. And then we realized five or six years, seven years into that, we were accumulating stuff again and we're really disappointed. So we made another pivot. What I really like about some of the stories that I'm hearing that are like yours is, and it's one of those moments too, where you're like, duh, is that even if you have a Monday through Friday job and you know you really are location dependent, you can still have and live in an RV and then really have your weekends available to you. And what I look at now is just the, the time savings of going from, you know, you guys probably know this, loading things from a house into your RV and then leaving as versus just living in an RV for that year. And if you wanted to go away for the weekend, it's literally just, you know, 
loading a couple things up and then heading out. And it just makes for the process where I feel like people think I can't live in an RV full time until I have a job that allows it. And it's actually not true. You can live in an RV right now, even if you have to be at work Monday through Friday at a certain location and still have the freedom to just get out there on the weekend so much easier. Absolutely. I mean, it's just a small house on wheels. That's all it is, is, is a small footprint. And one of the things that we looked at when back in 2009 is that how great is it is that we're really being environmentally responsible. We had a really small footprint, even though it was a 37 foot bounder with no slides, it was an older one. You know, maybe that was about 300 square feet. And my God, um, you know, how, how much electricity can you use? How much water can you use? How much of all that can you really use compared to someone living in, even in an apartment? So we're, we're really happy to be environmentally and socially responsible. You know, it's funny, when I started this life, that wasn't any of my mindset at all. I wasn't thinking about, you know, what kind of footprint I'd have. But I think what I learned early on is just the mentality of the stuff is what really kind of bogged me down, was just having all these things that I just never used, but for some reason it impressed someone else. That in itself, like when you get to the point where it's very selfish, it just, we make ourselves very lighter and uh, there's just a lot more freedom to that. And I can see, like, I even appreciate you guys saying we got into the house and we started noticing that we went to this, we all have this nature of just starting to collect little things. Uh, a little side note, and I know you guys can probably agree to this. It's amazing how much faster it is to clean living in an RV, you know, where I felt like when I lived in a house, you know, I didn't really have super large homes. The cleaning process just seemed to take forever. We're now with the RV. Uh, you know, because every two, three weeks you're moving sometimes, you're already cleaning before you move. It just seems like an easier process. It's not as daunting. Do you guys run into that? We absolutely do. We find both. Uh, so Denise has a saying that a, a roof is a roof, that you still have to maintain things, but it's easier to clean. You don't have big yards to maintain. You don't have, you don't spend your time doing those things. So we can focus more on other experiences. A few years ago, I was at one of the very first TEDx um, conferences in Houston, and they did a wonderful thing there to really kind of distill down some things about your personality and your passions in life. And I came away with three words that have stuck with me since then, and they were simple living technology. And they kind of defined the kind of my, my hopes and, and pursuits and, and practice. We go for a simple uh, life that we enjoy living and we try and focus on healthy and sustainable living and that we make our living with technology. So we kind of have this dichotomy of, of as simple as you can, uh, going off grid when we can, and then, but still letting technology be a part of our lives as well. No, I agree. And I think a lot of people don't actually really realize that. I have these moments in my own life where I look back to it was just me and my kids living in my home. So no one else was drinking a coffee but me. And I would sit down to do the dishes and there'd be 14 coffee mugs that I'd have to clean because I just, you know, I wasn't cleaning them for two weeks. And I remember thinking to myself, how did I get to the point where I thought 14 coffee mugs was a good idea? Like, how did I take all, just stuff like that? It's so weird that you, you get through this. So going back real quick to 2017, when you guys became uh, full-timers again and sold your property in the house. What were you guys doing? Were you guys were able to work from home? Was it remote or were you actually going into somewhere for work? Great question. So we did this a little backwards. A lot of people are trying to figure out um, or 
and I don't know that there's a right answer, so backwards maybe isn't the right word, but I had started a company uh, on my own after working for agencies for quite a few years with some great mentors and was able to start a consulting and marketing business, uh, again, based around technology. One of my ninja skills is that my brain thinks like a search engine, and, and that's kind of served me very well. And as that business continued to grow and Houston kind of hit an oil and gas crisis, uh, one of the first downturns. My business was growing. Denise was in an office job as a geophysics um, interpreter. And we realized that I needed more help and who was the best person to help would be someone I would trust. And so I was able to bring her on as an employee, which then freed her up from having to go into an office every day or that kind of, of job and role. And it gave us the freedom we didn't realize we had until one day we were doing this and working from home. And we realized that we could go anywhere. And it was an aha moment to get back to a simpler life again. And why, why be in Houston when you really don't have to? I mean, Houston, Houston's been very good to us and we love Houston. We have a lot of friends, but there are so many beautiful places around this country and in the, around the world that we can all experience some awesomeness from, you know, people and landscape and, and just getting up at, you know, uh, low humidity uh, up at 8,000 feet in elevation and seeing the snow. So it's just, just absolutely cool that why, why be in Houston when you can be wherever you want? We found that when we get out on the road, adventure finds us. And so we didn't have that level of adventure in the same place in the same address. I'm sure you can make it. But when you go out there and get out, it, adventure seems to find you and just in your path. And it's always uh, a wonderful, stunning experience. You know, and again, I'm speaking for me because I know there are people that are living this life and I don't want to offend anyone. But for me to like live born, live, die in the same 50 miles would have been terrible, no matter where it is, no matter even if it's paradise. I think you guys are nailing it when you're talking about it's just amazing when you can get out and see these different areas. And I've talked about on the show, I've only lived in big cities, Southern California for 40 years of my life. And once I got out of it, there was a sense of anxiety that left me that I didn't even know I had because that's all I ever knew. And then once I got out, there was like this moment of, I belong in small little towns. Like I don't belong in these big, crazy, you know, crowded cities where it's 90 minutes to get a coffee. Like that's, that's not my ideal of fun at all. But I just had no clue that there was different, to be honest with you. We both had the extraordinary experience of in earlier in our lives to travel internationally, probably more so than, than some people. And we realized that we had not traveled this country as much as maybe we should. You know, and this country is stunning. And to get out and drive across it and, and see the expanse and, and meet people. And, and as you said, maybe in the smaller communities, it's, it's so easy for us to find and meet amazing people. And then um, I often have a little bit of a challenge sometimes because we get ready. To, we tend to stay a little longer. We don't try and hit every town or every place. We will go and and sit in one place for, for a month at a time or more to get and get an, an feel and understand the place, which allows us to meet people. It's always hard to leave until we realize we can go on to the next place and, and experience something just new and amazing there as well. Yeah. So we're, we, we like to be travelers and not tourists. So we like to plunk down, meet the people, understand, get to experience what they experience, and then take that with us, you know, and then take it to other people. Um, back when we were looking in, in 2017, um, you know, John T. had made a, made a mention this, um, about, you know, adventure finds you. As our, in the fall of 2017, we, 
we got on the road and we did a couple of conferences and we were heading out towards Las Vegas for a conference and then out towards California. And um, we were invited by some friends in California, Southern California to come, come, come to come for Thanksgiving, come for our daughter's wedding. We're like, yeah, sure. We have an RV, you know, we can do that. Cool. We can do that. And so that event, that was an adventure. We never, we thought we didn't, uh, we would have experienced back when we first kind of got there after the wedding was all over and said and done and we got married there too we got we're sitting in a, a camp park and we're get a knock at the door about you know one two o'clock in the morning and we knew something was going on uh, we've heard on the news that there was a fire close by but we got a knock on the door by the sheriff there in uh, Ventura County saying, hey, um, it's recommended that you leave. Um, the fire, wildfire, is about three miles over that ridge. So we have an evacuation center you need to go to. So here's this, you know, Damon Outlaw, 38-foot toy hauler that's as tall as an uh, 18-wheeler pulling in. Jaunty's like, we need to go get some gas and fill up, make sure we have stuff. So we come get gas at three o'clock in the morning. We, we plunked down at the Red Cross Center for a couple of days and we thought we were in a Texas barbecue for quite a while. There was so much smoke. There was so much smoke and um, we just... This was the Thomas Wildfire. And this was the Thomas Wildfire, which was the biggest uh, wildfire in California. So we did the checky box there. We, we've been through wildfires and hurricanes for being in Houston, but that's, it's just adventure finds you. And, 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 you know, I would have never would have wanted to do that. And all our friends were very concerned with us. Um, during that episode, we're like, oh my God, this is so cool. We're actually documenting this. You know, this is really good. I mean, Twitter is the best, you know, for getting information. So we really learned a lot and really I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it back for anything, you know? Yeah, I do think in situations like that, our lifestyle is really interesting in the sense that even when you guys were talking about humidity, you know, it's, it's if you just don't like the environment, if there is some sort of emergency going on or anything like that, we have a different freedom than most. And I'll be the guy on this show that's, I, I don't want people thinking they can't own property or something of that nature. I talk about, I'd love to have a little piece of property with some RV hookups and have a little bit of a home base if I needed to, to kind of work on the rig and do some things and just have it as a place if I needed to go back to, I could. And I think that's completely understandable and actually probably pretty smart. But the idea of being able to kind of just go where the wind blows sometimes too is really interesting. And I, I definitely want to go back to what you guys were saying about the one month stays. I'm noticing three years now, and we've done some long stays at places. When I go back, it's like, it feels like I'm going back home. That's what that kind of feeling reminds me. But now I have a bunch of these places throughout the country, which is really cool. When I go back, I know where the, the little local store is and I know where the little local coffee shop is that I would hang out in. And there's sometimes there's still some of the same neighbors in the campground that were here a year ago. And I definitely like that aspect of it, which is funny because uh, you could do this for decades and not go everywhere in the States. And I always bring it back to, I'll use Texas as an example, you could do this for decades and not even go everywhere in Texas, which is, you know, where people, I think, sometimes get overwhelmed to the idea of going through, let's say, the lower 48. You could just do this in the state you live in and just bounce around from spot to spot and really explore and adventure your state in a way that you probably didn't know you could. I think you nailed it also. Um, we find the same thing. And it's, it's really added so much to our experiences of our lives. I mean, granted, we're working and we're, we're working hard to be able to enjoy this lifestyle. But 
to get to have my coffee or create that community in a different place and then be able to go back to it again when we plan maybe the next year or the next season or what we really enjoyed and we want to go back to someplace comfortable. It is like going home because you do have a familiarity with it. Yeah, multiple homes. So it's almost like vacation homes. You can go, you know. It's true. It's true. When we did start this, we we also, um, we spend about anywhere from 10 to 11 months out of the year in our RV. Uh, we do spend about a month or two or, or sometimes longer, depending. We haven't quite worked out how that's all how our plans change. We always have plans and they seem to change, but we have a small off-grid cabin as well. So we call it our stationary RV. It's 400 square foot tiny cabin um, on the side of a ridge in northern New Mexico at 7,500 foot in elevation. And it's it's kind of snowbound in the winter, so we can't be there unless we really made some modifications to our lives and to that property. But then we do get to go up there and, and just kind of check out and, and be off the grid for a little while. But we've chosen not to be there full time. This is what we enjoy. And this is where we spend the majority of our time. Yeah, it probably gives you a really kind of cool balance between the two, which is nice. Now, are you able to get the rig up to your property or does it like go into storage? That's a good, that's a great question, Damien. Uh, <laughs> Depends on what rig we have. When okay. we had our 30s, if when we had our 37 foot toy hauler and class A, class A sorry, uh, class A toy hauler. Um, and our cabin is about a mile, 1.1 miles on a dirt road through a gate, gated community, a, few, a loosely gated community. Our first time there, Jonty went and bought the cabin. I hadn't seen it. So, so we were traveling in our, our class A and, and we're like, well, we could take it up to the cabin. Well, the last 500 feet was pretty treacherous. I don't know how, to this day, I'm really not sure if I was stupid or smart because we wheeled that puppy in and there wasn't very much room to do anything with. And then when we had to wheel it out leaving because of the first snowfall in the beginning of, of November, I packed up and Jonty was standing on the road there, this dirt road, and the road was only very, um, we call lots of lots of ruts in it, and just as wide as a vehicle is with a drop-off on either side. I don't know how I didn't end up in the ditch with this big Class A, you know, in there, but the the thing was rocking in a roller. I think Jonty's got some videos of that. It was it was pretty scary, but I was like I was having a fun time. I was like on a roller coaster, but we got it out of there. It was great. Um, but our travel trailer, we just you know our lance that we're in right now, we don't take it to the cabin. Uh, we actually store it pretty close by so we can have access to it. So yeah, we 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 try to kind of keep our rigs away from there. That makes sense. And I think it's it's really kind of cool to know that you have a place you guys can go back to and, and just decompress for a little while. And even though, again, it's you're going from a certain square footage to a certain square footage, it's still a lot smaller than most people think they could comfortably live in. And does it feel... Uh, how big is the the current travel trailer in like square footage? Okay, so we're on a Lance twenty one eighty five, which is a, which is a bunkhouse, and it's twenty five feet from hitch to bumper, so about twenty one feet, twenty two feet. So I don't know what that is. It's probably about one hundred fifty square feet, maybe. In the cabin. Our cabin is, and our cat and our cabin is uh, a twenty by twenty. Nice. It's a so it's luxurious. It's luxurious. That's right. Yeah. No, we have, and, and, and you know, we're luxurious up there too. We have two showers. We have an indoor shower and an outdoor shower. Stop. And You're yes, it in our faces we right do. Now. Two showers and 
and an actual real kitchen and, and, and a bathroom and it's all kinds of craziness. But, uh, and then we have these awesome sunsets and elk running through the property at certain times of the year. And, and Jaunty went on this, this past summer, Jaunty went on um, this video or photograph every day uh, of watching the sunset with the hummingbird feeders because we have lots of hummingbirds out there throughout the summertime. And I swear you got to be, if you're not watching, they will, they whiz by your face and they are ruthless to each other and they'll just hang out and you'll just hear this real close. It's like, okay, gotcha. But <laughs> it's, it's a, it, the wildlife is great up there. We really enjoy it. One of the things about the place that we enjoy the most there is when we do, as you said, kind of decompress or have that place as a, as a touchstone. But since it is off the grid, you know, it's, it's actually wired for solar. It's wired for with an RV water pump to bring water in from a cistern. But we tend to notice that we change our lifestyles quite a bit there. And it's much more in tune with the nature and the land. So when the sun comes up, you get up. When it gets dark early, you start trying to figure, and you don't have a lot of extra electricity, then you start realizing, well, maybe we some of these simpler things are, are important. And why am I so tired all, so all of a sudden? Maybe I should just lay down and read <laughs> instead of keep doing things. But And then getting out and watching the wildlife and the migration of the hummingbirds or the different animals and, and being we have to bring our water in. So all of these things make you so conscious of how we're living and focusing on ourselves, on our health and on the environment and and just those things that get lost in a big city. As Denise mentioned, granted, we love Houston and it was really good to us and we've grown up in cities and, and lived in them very well. So this is a bit of a new experience for us, uh, kind of getting back to, if I dare say it, getting back to some roots. Now, you guys were really lucky that remote work was happening ahead of time. I know you guys said, you know, you kind of did it backwards. And I agree that a lot of people are like, they want this lifestyle more than they realize how they need to change their work lifestyle first to make the travel lifestyle possible. So it wasn't as hard of a transition. So you guys are doing the same thing. Can we talk about real quick what it is you guys are doing while you're on the road? Sure. Thanks for asking. Um, as I mentioned, my background is and my, my skill is kind of in search engine marketing. So we run an agency that works on search engine marketing, either SEO or online advertising, also known as pay-per-click. And we manage these accounts for clients. Most of those clients are either in the business-to-business, B2B space. We have quite a few in nonprofits where we help manage Google grants for them. We work with some e-commerce companies, uh, some in the RV community, and it's just, and that's kind of grown as, as part of the community that we've, we've been involved in. But that has been something that is, is sustainable for us. Uh, you know, more, maybe more and more people are moving online. Uh, some people say that search engine optimization and, and SEO is dead, but, you know, it, it continues. To, we find that the search engines still need good data and people still need help with understanding their business or their analytics of how their website is performing or how to improve it. And we've been fortunate to help some great brands with that. And it just keeps evolving. It's one of the careers I've had for 15 years. And the reason I say that I used to have a seven-year itch for careers. In the past, I've been things from uh, involved in finance to uh, I have a master's degree in architecture and taught architecture at the university level for seven years. There's that d- darn number again. And I keep switching careers, but this is the one that's lasted for over 15 years. And I think it's because the landscape of keeps changing around me and keeps me engaged so I can keep learning. And, and we find that we can provide real value to people. And that's just fulfilling. So once we realized that we had internet and that our clients didn't actually care 
where we were working from, it was amazing. Most of my conference calls will start out these days with, hey, great to see you, Jonty. Where are you this month? Yeah, you know, I used to, it's funny, I had this battle when I was working for someone else where for some reason it wasn't okay for them that I worked remote, but that I worked remote while traveling. And I traveled on the weekends. But I 100% agree that it allowed for me as a salesperson at the time to just have really kind of interesting relationships with people where I got the same question. Or they might respond to my email because I would somehow throw the location in the email and they'd respond, hey, you know what? I don't really need your service, but every time you email, you're in a different state. What's going on? That I need that, you know, what's what's going on here? And sometimes those people turn into clients just because that obviously engages people. People want to understand where you are and what you're doing and kind of live through you. So I think you brought up a, a really great point. And it is funny to me that people can see remote as okay, but like real remote where you're able to move, even if you're moving off hours, for some reason, people just still can't get their head around it, especially employers, sometimes even clients. I've, I've interviewed people that lost clients that they never saw in person. They were remote, but once they're like, wait, you're not going to be you know, in Texas anymore. You're, you're going to be in Louisiana next week and then in Arkansas. And then that became an issue, which is really weird. I don't understand the mindset of that. Have you guys ran into that at all and been able to even like uncover why a client would care if you're already remote now that you're on the road? Why does that make a difference? To be honest, there was a time that there was a real shift in our business for that. Um, not as much as I expected. Um, I was a little fearful. But what happened is that we had a chance when we sold our, our Houston home and we're getting ready back to downsize again. And we had a chance to go and visit a friend that was working and living in Italy. So we got to go for an extended period of time because it didn't cost us anything to be there. So we packed up ourselves um, and went over and we stayed in Italy for, for a month, an amazing experience, and had clients. So now we're not just remote, but now we're on a international time difference. Yeah, about six hour difference. And one of the things that I realized is that we set a schedule that we were available for our clients. And we had Zoom meetings and Zoom conferences. And it really hit me at one point where I was having a meeting late in the afternoon or evening in Italy. It was about 7 or 8 p.m., which was probably about noon or 1 o'clock in the United States in their time zone. And the client was a longtime client. And she said, you know, I recognize the time difference, Jaunty. Please tell me that you're in Italy, that there is a wine glass just out of my view off to the side of your laptop camera. She goes, if there's not, you need to get up and get one. <laughs> And I pulled the wine glass down, which I did have in front of the camera. And she says, great, now we can continue our meeting. That's <laughs> so, awesome. And I, and I realized at that point was that was the clients that I wanted. And that was the clients I needed to, to work with because they understood the experiences and the richness that it gave our lives, which then in turn gave us richness and experience back to our clients. If, if we're happy and doing our best work, then they're succeeding. I did have clients that were a little concerned, like you said, that maybe I'd never seen them before. But since we were no longer in Houston or stationary, they somehow felt we weren't providing the best service. And I only had one or two. But in fact, the reality is that we now, and at that time, and now we have clients on both coasts. We set a time zone that is comfortable for us and for our clients that we work and stay within and maintain those office hours. And they're happy with the service that we're providing. And it's, it's actually took a little time, but it has contributed to a richness and a variety of clients that has actually enhanced the way we work and who we're able to work with. So there was a couple that maybe have gone through attrition, have gone away because of our lifestyle, but it's actually brought more clients to us than we've lost and better clients. 
I couldn't agree more with everything you're saying. I th- find it interesting that you guys find the right time zone. I currently use central. I just feel like it works really well for me just kind of being available central time for both my West Coast and my East Coast people. I will say that um, I've been a remote employee, worked from home for many years. And obviously I, I own my own business now. But before that, I noticed I was a better employee working on the road than I was working remote from home. There's just too many distractions in a in a standard bricks and sticks for whatever reason that that just doesn't really seem to happen. You think it would be the reverse. I mean, I have people that are like, are you just dying to go out and kayak? And yeah, I am. But I'm also, there's all these other distractions that I'm just not dealing with that allows me to have the time to kayak that doesn't interrupt my work. What's your work difference have been since being on the road full time? Do you consider yourself a, a harder, better worker? Or is it, you know what I mean? Like, where are you guys at with that in regards to working? Well, we kind of kind of ad, ad lib a little bit. Um, we do have standardized work hours and it is based on the central time zone because we feel that that kind of offers clients easier access to us. Um, I think that we are more project oriented, very focused on, ta- or actually I should say task oriented. It's like we need to get this done and we might have a neighbor or friend that's in town is like, no, we have to get this done before we can go out and have fun. I think yeah, we've I, been able to balance really well with, with work and play. Um, you know, there are days, but I, I've never had to remind myself that we're still working. Uh, you know, our work allows us this lifestyle and, and allows us to enjoy it. You know, maybe there's some days that we get to get up and have our coffee in a different place or a different view from the month prior. But we do find the time to go out and enjoy things. We will be flex time. Uh, if there is something we want to go do during the week and if we can fit that in without meetings or something, we will absolutely do it and then make that time up with maybe working on the weekend. So we do allow ourselves to take advantage of, of opportunities. And again, that's part of that adventure, right? So it's a good balance. And I think we've been, we've achieved that pretty well. Our clients, you know, we're able to give them the attention we need. We're able to educate ourselves and stay current in our, in our, in our work. When we were in a sticks and bricks, I think you're right. There's the temptation to, there's more to maintain. There's, it's easier to get up and say, oh, I need to work on this project in the house or, or maintain or do something else, or you have other distractions. We find that we stay pretty focused on here in here. Yeah, I think too, I mean, it, it's funny to me that just this conversation, and, and I want to talk about it for a second, as, as business owners, it's funny that it, it's, it's us. We need to do what's best for us. And what you're talking about is that sometimes maybe you'll look at something you want to go do And you already know that if you go to it on a Saturday or Sunday, it's going to be packed and not enjoyable. So instead, you shift your schedule, you go on a Thursday, and then you make up the time on the weekend. But you're the boss of yourself, you know what I mean? And that's what's really interesting. But when you work for someone, and even if you have a job that allows you to work seven days a week if you wanted to, bosses, their mentality can't go there. For me to be able to just go outside and take a a 40-minute kayak in the middle of today as a business owner, I know that's the best thing for me to then come back and be that much more productive. There's only so much time I can stare at my screen and so many emails I can send out. It's just really incredible to me that an employer can't see it. And if an employer could start saying to their staff, I want you to have a business owner's mentality, you would end up with a better employee. And I think that's kind of like what I'm getting to. Instead of saying work nine to five, work the 40 hours in a seven day period that make the most sense for you to be as productive as you can 
but then also give the best service to our clients. And I think you would see a 10x of an employee. Totally agree with that statement. So when I started my company, as I mentioned earlier, maybe I started it backwards for most people, was working in Houston, was able to, to start a, a new business there. But I knew Houston and the, and the challenges of Houston and Houston traffic. So I knew that I didn't want my people to actually spend their life and their time sitting in traffic in Houston, getting to an office. It was also as a new business, it was an, just an easier capital you know, outlay that I didn't have to pay high rent or anything. So we started with co-working spaces and working remotely from home. And my people have always enjoyed that. Funny enough, I still have quite a few people that work either in Houston and have stayed there and haven't realized they could travel yet. Since then, one has actually moved to California and they still kind of work from home or a couple have not really taken to the RV lifestyle, but they still appreciate that ability and the flexibility that allow them to, to do their work and to provide the best service and they're happier for it meet their deadlines, and also be able to go and take their child to the park in the middle of the day or go meet their wife uh, when she's on break if she's got an office job. So it's that flexibility that makes for better living and better mental living also. I couldn't agree more. And it's funny, I'm currently in conversations with people that, you know, that are working, you know, temporarily remote. And I'll say to them, hey, make sure only to work six hours, though. And they're like, why? And I said, because that's literally all you're working when you're in the office. There's so much distraction and conversations and all these different things that you don't want to set up a standard where it's like, oh, that's what you can accomplish in eight hours? No, that's what I can accomplish in eight hours at home. That's not what I can accomplish eight hours at the office with everybody wanting to come over and you know, do and just talk about things and all the distractions that go with working in an office. So it's kind of a, it's a humorous point, but I think it's really valid and true that people can almost, if you're working 40 hours, if you go home, you can almost set a 36 hour work schedule and probably do as much work or, you know, 34 hours a week and get as much work as you could get done in a 40 hour in an office. 100%. So before I go, one of the things I do definitely like to do is uh, a high-low and let people know where they can find you. But let's start with the the low first. And so what I like to look is just to kind of explain to people, because sometimes all they see is Instagram and they just see this lifestyle as being, you know, van doors open down by the water and you know, it's just fantastic. There are moments that are rough and tough. If you guys can talk about maybe a low on your journey in and around this lifestyle. I think one of the things is we will say is, is we're practicing. We're still trying to get it right. So if you picked up some clues in this, uh, we've had a Class A um, back in 2009. We had another Class A that we thought we needed bigger and, and all this stuff again with us um, when we went to the, the toy hauler Class A. Uh, now we're in a travel trailer. And there's not a, probably a day goes by that we don't look at it and say, is this the best solution? Because what we find is everything keeps changing as we go to different places, different environments. And I think more so in a, than living in a, an apartment or a place, as we travel around, there's actually a different setup maybe for a different region, a different seasonality or a different season of your life. So we're still practicing to find what fits. And we've had to allow ourselves the indulgence to maybe go down that other path not taken, and but not look back at it as, a, as an error in judgment, but hey, what's next? This is good for now and not try and jump at everything that everybody else has is maybe better than what we have. We have to remember and look back that even though we're, and I'm going to throw another low in there for me, which is a few years ago. So one of the things we did when we right when we got involved in this was we also joined and followed the RV Entrepreneur Group and we're at one of their very first uh, summits. And I know Heath of that group was struggling at the time also with work balance and kind of adventure balance. 
And he said a wonderful thing that I took to heart, which was when you feel like you're working too much or you're and everybody else is out van life down by the river, take your phone out and scroll back through the images of the past year. And we do that every now and then we realize that no matter how much we have to work and there are things that we're missing because there's so many things we're driving by or not getting to, still when I look at my, my roll of photos, I'm like, most people never get this in five years. And this is what I've been able to see in one year. And it's it's just reaffirming that we're doing the right thing, even though we're off, often squirreling or, or wondering if we're doing the right thing. I love that because I recently had to find a photo. And when I had to scroll through all these photos, I had that moment where I was like, wow, this has been an amazing, whatever it was, six months that I had to go back to to find this photo. You almost forget about all these amazing little moments. And I, I definitely am someone that says, you guys document it, document it, document it for yourself, if anything, because you're right, we can't get caught up and we're just seeing all the, the work or and when you have those moments where you can go back, I think it's fantastic. I love that, that Heath had that advice. I haven't heard him say that. So that's, that's cool that he didn't like pick up on that. It's amazing advice and ran with it wherever he goes. I love it. Let's, uh, he should, he should. Yeah, no doubt. He's definitely, he should make a t-shirt out of it. Let's talk about a high. What's a, and I know there's, this is the one where I feel like people have to like really kind of look around because there's been so many, which is such a good problem to have. But what's a high that you can really look back and say to yourselves when you guys were there, like, how is this our life? Well, it's, it, it is a good question, Damien. Uh, I, I don't know. I'm a very visual person. Um, I can just do a picture of, of two things that come to my mind right now. One is driving across in our Class A. You know, the Class A's have huge windows in the front. So we're John, I'm driving and Jaunty's co-piloting. She's like, well, and we're driving across Arizona on an interstate. It wasn't this really cool little road. It's just an interstate. And you could see 180 degrees. You could see for 50 miles plus. And it was just openness. There were no houses. There were no electrical lines. There were no wind turbines. It was just America. And, and that was pretty spectacular. The other time was that I recall is, is, is being able to spend Christmas Eve in Sedona, Arizona, climbing some of the hills up there. You know, Christmas Eve, we're always with like family or we've got to be with family. We've got to be cooking or doing something traditional. Well, you know, we didn't have any, we didn't have any family on the road. So we're like, let's just go to Sedona. We're, we're close by and go to Jerome also. And we were just climbing up and down. It's like, this is, this is Christmas Eve. And this is pretty cool. This is an untraditional Christmas Eve. So that's the two highs that I, I felt. And also being able to take our dogs with us, you know, and have them enjoy the the places that we go and, and the different smells and the you know parks that we go to. So they're getting a lot of enjoyment out of it. And I see their smiles on their faces and they do have smiles on their faces when they're when they're traveling with us. What I tell you, I, I told you it's so hard for people to pinpoint a high. Like that's the one thing I can get out of doing these episodes is when you ask people for a high, it's difficult. Like it just really showcases the lifestyle. I mean, a lot of what you're seeing is really true, that it is a really amazing lifestyle. But there is, you know, like any other lifestyle, there's the downs. And that's the one thing I just want to make sure that's being represented. I think you guys did a great job of that. And I'll, I'll link all the stuff that they're about to say right now down below. But where can people find you? So our business, probably I'll start with that, is, is White Hat Ops. Um, in the search engine marketing world, there was a tradition of black hat and white hat. Uh, if you think about it, white hat was probably the good guys, sustainable and ethical. So white hat ops has been around for a while and, and we're really thankful and grateful for that business. Uh, if, if you want to follow some of our journeys, journeys 
We're on Instagram at go curly, go home. Since we're two curly headed uh, girls, um, we do personal postings on uh, Instagram. Also, we're on Facebook at go curly, go home. Also, and where else, Jonty? Uh, then our personal accounts, Jonty Bowles or Denise Kakis. Yeah. Awesome. Well, I'll make sure to list that all down below so you guys can find it and click through. And I'm pretty sure like everyone I've had, you'll have some people reach out that'll have some basic questions about everything, the adventuring and the work and how to balance it, what to do. And it sounds like you're both will be available for that, which is great. And I just want to thank you both for coming on the show and hanging out and telling me your story and letting people just see a different side of this lifestyle. Damien, thank you so much. We're happy to answer questions and, and offer any advice pitfalls, things to look out for, and just how wonderful it is to have a rootless life. Uh, thank you for letting us be on the show and providing this to people to to get a little bit of insight into something they might want to plan, do, and contribute to as, as a community. Absolutely. Thank you, Damien. Thank you for providing the format. You're welcome. Thank you both. Well, another fun episode. One thing I love about this podcast is how different everyone's story is, yet there are so many similarities. It really shows anyone can go ruleless and you get to decide what that freedom looks like for you. Now, if you want to learn more about Jaunty and Denise, you can visit their joint personal account on both Instagram and Facebook at Go Curly or Go Home or on their business accounts, White Hat Ops. It's all one word you can find out on Facebook and Instagram as well. You can also grab a free digital subscription of the Rootless Living magazine and make sure to find their feature of their business, White Hat Ops, in issue number two by heading over to rootlessliving.com today. But before you hit stop, can you do me a favor? Can you please share both the magazine and the podcast, if you're enjoying this, on any of your social channels? It really does help let people know about both the magazine and the podcast. And like always, if you think you know someone that would make a good guest, or that guest might even be you, please send us an email at podcast at rootlessliving.com and let's see how we can help tell your story. Until next week, stay rootless.